I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and His glory, of Jesus and His love. I love to tell the story because I know this it satisfies my longing as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story, will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story for wonderful it seems and all the golden fancies of all our golden dreams I love to tell the story it did so much for me and that is just the reason I tell it now to thee. I love to tell the story. Will be my name in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Now the last verse. I love to tell the story for those know it best, sing hungering and thirsting, to hear it like the rest, and when in scenes of glory, I sing the new, new song, twill be the old, old story, that I have loved so long, I love Tell the story will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. For in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called 
uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were far off were made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enemy thereby. All right, praise the Lord. We're here to worship Him in spirit and in truth. So last week, we were talking about our mediator. And basically, we're touching on the atonement or the Lord Jesus' satisfaction to God. Basically, in the atonement, that's what the Lord did. He satisfied God the Father on your behalf and on my behalf. We saw that uh, the mediator was one who intervenes between two parties to bring them together where there is or was a separation. So we saw ourselves there born in sin, born under the sinful nature inherited from Adam who disobeyed God in the garden, we saw that the mediator had to have a connection with both parties. And certainly Jesus Christ did. He was God, the Son, yet He really did become a man. So we saw that this man that He become was required by God to keep God's law. I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. There was none. No, not one. All had sinned and fallen short of what? The glory of God. But not Him. Jesus Christ, as our mediator, had to have the nature of a man in order to be susceptible to the sufferings that He had to go through. He had to experience those things for us. He had to have the nature of a man. Fallen nature? No. He had the nature of man that Adam and Eve had in the garden before the fall, and we pointed that out last week. It's important that we recognize who our mediator is. He is God, the Son. It was necessary, again, for him to be susceptible to sickness, he was a carpenter and a carpenter's son don't you know that he hit his fingers sometimes too don't you know that he had splinters in his hands too he was a real man he had to be susceptible to all of these things all the way up to death and giving up the ghost on the cross of Calvary now not only was it necessary for him to do this but he did it voluntarily. There was a connection there between 
God and man in that God gave His Son a people. The Bible teaches us that it was before the world began. In the council halls of eternity, God saw you and me in Adam. I know that's hard for us to get a grip on as we were... uh, we heard earlier, these little finite minds can't hardly grasp the magnitude of the knowledge of God. Not only is it incomprehensible, it's indescribable. We can't even describe how great His knowledge is. In all of creation, we can look and we can <coughs> explain how all of this works together. But God created it, and He created it in a way that it continued until this day. All right. So, we saw that He must be a man. However, He couldn't be a sinful man. Because if He was, then He would need a mediator, wouldn't He? Then He would need a Savior. But He was the Savior. He met all of God's requirements. And again, he did it voluntarily. It pleased God to bruise him, Isaiah 53 tells us. For the joy set before him, Jesus Christ endured the suffering, the shame, and the cross. And you and I deserved all of that. And he deserved none of it. But again, there was a connection there. And that connection was that we were already His. We were already His. The day that you got saved, there wasn't a new name written in the book of life. No, your name was already there. That's an omniscient God. That's a God that sees the past and the future and the present. And he can do so all at once if it pleases him. He knows all things. He's omnipotent. None can stay his hand. His word is always true. It's always right. All right. So he had to be sinless. He had to keep the law. And he did so. All through the Old Testament, he was uh, represented as the the lamb without blemish. He did not sin. He was impeccable. He could not sin. He was God. He went through a voluntary death. God won't accept a sacrifice that's offered reluctantly. God says, give me your heart, doesn't he? The heart must be in it, right? Right. We love him because he first loved us and he changed us so that we recognize that fact. We recognize that we are family to him. We are sons and daughters, brothers and sisters to Jesus Christ. And one of the things that's hard to grasp is the fact that we always have been. 
in the mind of God. You've always been His. Yes, like the sheep that strays, we have. We lost our connection with God through Adam's failure in the garden. But He sent His only begotten Son. Again I say, the Son of God became the Son of Man in order for the sons of men to become the sons of God. Now I want us to notice this morning that the mediator... was the federal head of his people. And so that causes us to back up and look at Adam. The first Adam. The first Adam was the federal head of all of the human race. So when we say we were born in sin, that's why. Because when... Adam disobeyed God and ate from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He represented you and me. He was the head of the race. He was the first man. All of us were seen by God in him. Again, that's hard to grasp, but still true. So the first Adam was the federal head of the human race. The curse that resulted from his disobedience fell on all people ever born after him except for the one who was miraculously born without a man's involvement, our Savior Jesus Christ, our Mediator, the daysman, the one that came to stand between his people and the righteous judgment of God. God hates sin. He's going to judge it. It's going to happen, brother. You can't openly defy God and never have to answer for that. We're responsible to believe in him. We're responsible to follow Him. So, Adam represented us. And again, the result, the resulting curse of that disobedience fell on us. He was the first Adam. Let's look in Ephesians Chapter 1, we're almost there, aren't we? <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He has chosen us, in Him before the foundation of the world. We were already family. Jesus came here to redeem His family that He already possessed. We were already His. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy 
And notice these next two words, or three words, and without blame. And without blame. The inherited blame, the inherited curse that we were born with, He has chosen us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. How did that happen? How did we make that transformation from fallen and cursed to alive and blessed? There's only one way. Jesus said it Himself. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And through Him comes the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to the Father but by me. Verse 5 on Ephesians chapter 1. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. There's God's plan for you right there. There's God's plan for each of us. Predestinated. That's not a common word in today's churches. Because it takes away the power of man's will, doesn't it? We pointed out recently, a man definitely had free will. But he lost it when he decided to and carried out disobedience to God. Now man's will is is bound, isn't it? You're born that way. That nature that you were born with has you bound to sin. Praise God, we have a mediator. Children. See, we're His family. He came here to redeem His family that He already knew and already had in His possession. Oh, He's been uh, foreshadowed all the way from the Garden of Eden until today, hadn't He? All of it points to Him. Verse 6. Ephesians chapter 1, 6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace. To the praise of the glory of His free, unmerited favor to us, His loved ones. Us, His family. Us, His children. Wherein, in that grace, He hath made us accepted. In where? In the Beloved. Who's the Beloved? It's His family, isn't it? It's us. He mediated for us. He satisfied God. That's what the atonement is. He atoned for our sins with His own blood. A perfect life that God accepted. That's how we're accepted in the Beloved to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted 
and the Beloved. You see, when God makes a plan, He works that plan perfectly. No man, no man's desire can change God's will and God's plan. He made us accepted. Because He perfectly did God's will. Verse 7 says, In whom we have redemption. He came here to redeem His family, His loved ones. His blood never saw corruption. His body never sinned. In whom we have redemption through His blood. There simply is no other way. There's no other mediator. Only the Lord Jesus Christ. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. It's a free gift. I couldn't be good enough. I couldn't be smart enough. I couldn't make the right decisions. It's a free gift of life. He has quickened us. Verse 8 says, Wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. How do I know Him? How do I love Him? Because He's revealed Himself unto me by the power of His Holy Spirit and through His Word. He spoke. And all of these things were created. He spoke. And all of the miraculous things of nature came into reality and into being. How powerful are the words of God. Verse 9 says, Having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself. All right. Adam was the federal head of the human race. What he did affected every person after him. The Lord Jesus Christ was the last of He also is the federal head of His people. What He did affected all of His people. The same as Adam. But Adam failed to keep God's law. And He passed the curse on to all of us. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, perfectly kept God's law. And the result of that is He passed life on to all of us. Isn't that amazing? God's plan's always perfect, isn't it? The last Adam satisfied God the Father on your behalf and on my behalf. It's a federal union. In other words, 
It's a legal thing. We are legally identified as being related to him. That's important, isn't it? We are his children. God gave us to his son before the council halls of eternity. The triune Godhead came up with, made this plan, designed this plan, and worked this design perfectly. And it is a legal purchase. You see, Jesus satisfied God's law. He legally stood in your place. He legally justified you. He satisfies God's law on your behalf. You are justified. You are seen by God the Father through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You've been clothed, that's important, with the righteousness that He deserved and earned and lived. You see, the righteousness of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit of God has been imputed to you. Oh, what a Savior. What a Savior. He works all things for good for those who love Him. Those that are called according to His purpose, His family that He's always known, always loved, and always had a purpose for. Again, He is not ashamed to call us brethren, family. Hebrews chapter 2. Let's take a look at that. start in verse 7. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 7. Thou hast made him, thou madest him a little lower than the angels. God the Son came to earth, born of a virgin, no man involved in his birth. Perfect. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death. He had to be a human in order to suffer for you. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, there's your creator, there's God, it became him 
for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory or children to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctified, that's the Lord, and they who are sanctified, that's us, are all of one. He's broken down the wall of partition, hasn't he? He has redeemed us to himself. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren or family, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him, verse 13, and again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, which he did, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. We're not subject to bondage anymore, are we? We don't fear death anymore, do we? No. For verily He took not on Him the nature of angels, but He took on Him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved Him to be made like unto His brethren. Why? That He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of his people. And he was successful, wasn't he? For in that he himself had suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. What a Savior. What a perfect plan to redeem his people. God is in control, isn't he? In all things. And in every life. God is in control. He is the last Adam. He became like us in flesh that he might satisfy God on our behalf. Oh, won't we praise Him this morning. There is no other name by which we must be saved. If you don't know Him this morning, won't you seek Him? Seek Him this morning. He is the faithful and truthful, holy, righteous, and faithful God. And He will, by His promise, save your soul. He is the only Savior.